This week on the Heads and Tails podcast, we interview Vanessa Cecchio, and she teaches us how to kick cancer in the ass, 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 ass. This is Kevin Som, you're listening to the Heads and Tails podcast. We share stories of perseverance and inspiration in sports and in life. Thank you for tuning in to episode five of the Heads and Tails podcast. I'm interviewing Vanessa Cecchio today. She's the uh, creator of Bachata and Barbells, and she's also the survivor of Hodgkin's disease. Uh, so let's get started off by talking about your athletic background when you were growing up, just like what sports you played and the kind of athlete you were. Um, I was one of those kids that was kind of thrown into everything. So I tried softball, cheerleading, basketball, um, lacrosse when I was in high school. And I wasn't ever the best at any of them, but I always played, I always gave a lot of heart. I always had fun. I was like one of those kids that couldn't sit still. I always had to be doing something. Whether it was running around or climbing on the chairs at my dinner table, I was always (laughs) moving around and doing something, yeah. Running around like a monkey or yep. something. Yeah, that um, was my nickname growing up. <laughs> all right, so what what sports did you play? I played in high school. I played lacrosse, and I was a cheerleader, actually. And a cheerleader. Yeah, okay. yeah. So can you talk about when you were diagnosed with Hodgkin's disease? When I was diagnosed, I was 12 years old. So at that point, I was still in middle school. I was playing um, basketball at the time, and we had just had a really big tournament in our town, and... Um, I think we won the tournament, actually. But then a few days later, I discovered this lump on my neck, like right where my shoulder was. And And it was like all of a sudden? Yeah, it was just out of nowhere. You woke up one day and it it was... was, Yeah, it was very strange. I think I might have had a fever a few days before. Like it was so long ago that sometimes I don't remember the little details. But I had this lump. I thought it was a pulled muscle. It was a little sore. So we went to the doctor and the doctors immediately sent us over to um, Overlook Hospital, actually. Okay. And I got x-rays and CAT scans. And from that point on, I was just, you know, getting scans that I didn't even know what they were, what I was doing. And it came back that I had stage 3 Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is cancer. And at that time, I didn't know what it really was. Right. So did the doctor come in and say that you had cancer or I don't remember right to your face or did he tell your mom or your mom told you I was in the room I was in the room with my mom and my mom's best friend um who actually worked for the hospital system and I don't remember the doctor ever saying that it was cancer but it could have just been me not paying attention to what the doctor was saying and like looking at what the room would look like and what was in there and stuff but um, it wasn't until we were in the car ride home. I was sitting in the back seat. I'll never forget. I was sitting in the back seat, and my mom was driving. And I was like, "Mom, can kids get cancer?" And she said, "That's exactly what you have." And that was my like, "Oh shit!" moment. Oh, okay. Like, this is bigger than a few days out of school. Right. So, were you scared? I know you're. This is a long time ago, but what was like going through your head when I. 
I don't think I was ever scared because I didn't really understand it. I didn't understand how big it was, like, in the bigger picture. Like, it was cancer. It's Cancer's a, a terminal illness, and as a little kid, you never, like, it never crossed my mind that I could die from it. You know, right. I thought it was I think was that's part just, of, like, being a kid, too. Yeah, like, exactly. You never think exactly. that it'll to That's you the fun of part of being a kid. You don't realize that anything bad could happen to you. Right. So I don't think I was ever scared. I was worried, but I was never scared. Scared, right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, do, what are do you know what the statistics are on Hodgkin's disease? It Hodgkin's disease is the best cancer you can get. So I think it's like a ninety eight percent curable rate. Okay. So it's a it's a good if you're gonna get cancer, it's a good one to get. Does it happen to mostly kids or? Yes, I think it runs mostly in kids, and you have a better percentage of, of surviving surviving it if you are a kid. Yeah. Um, it's actually kind of weird. My cousin who is our age he's 28 he was just diagnosed a few years ago with hodgkin's the same exact type of cancer yeah my so cousin. is it genetic or they can't that's the thing about cancer they don't really they know, know but they think that it runs in the gene lines and it also is about your environment what you're surrounded by when i was sick there i grew up in greenbrook which is a really small town it's like a right. mile wide um there were three kids in the town that had cancer the same time that i did so Gee, that goes yeah. to say I like mean, yeah. your environment Kind of, yeah, it. yeah. So that was kind of crazy. It's kind of like a Aaron Brockovich. Did type you guys thing. move after that, or we moved right before that? So I lived in North Plainfield. I moved, and then three or four months later, I got diagnosed. So I was kind of still the new kid in school when I was diagnosed. That's like a weird phenomenon. It is. It's very weird. All right. Uh, can you talk about kind of like the, the next steps in the process? So you, you eventually had to start getting treatment and kind of tell that, that, that story? Yeah. So what happened, it happened very quickly. I went through six months of chemo and two months of radiation. So um, every month I would go for the first week, I would have my really, really long treatment where I was treated at the Valerie Center in Overlook Hospital. Um, I was there all day long. So I would just have infusions of all these different the whole chemo drugs all day. And how did that make um, how did that make you feel? The, Were you like run down or the first week I was okay. I was tired, but I was still I still played sports the whole time I was getting treated. Oh, um wow. yeah, because it was basketball season and then it transitioned into softball season. So I still played the whole time as much as I could. Wow. I don't think I missed that much school. But then the second week the treatment was only like an hour long and it made me sick as a dog. Oh. Like couldn't get off the couch. It was just it was a terrible feeling. Um and that's, I think, when I realized, like, all right, I'm, I'm sick. Yeah, I'm a sick kid yeah, right now. Yeah, starting to feel it. Yeah, I started to feel the effects. But then as the treatments went on, each month my sickness subsided. So I got my body, I don't know if it was getting used to it or, you know, I was mentally getting used to it too, but it got better as the treatments went on. Right. It's kind of sad to think about it that way that you're Yeah, just like your body has to, to get yeah, used be, to all these drugs yeah, that are getting like pumped. Shit, yeah. yeah, yeah. Basically. <laughs> So how long did it take for, how long did the treatment, treatments last for? Was it a year or? It was, so it was six months of chemo six, and then six, two six. months of radiation. When I went for the radiation, I think it was two days a week. It would take like 40 minutes. Um, they treated me right around my chest area. I actually have like a small, small, small tattoo. That was my first tattoo ever. Oh, okay. A little dot of ink that showed that's where they would literally put the 
um, radiation. And what's really funny about the radiation is usually it has the effect of making you really tired and sometimes you get sick and nauseous. It had the reverse effect on me. So I would get like home. Bounce off I the walls. Literally, I would do laps around my house. Like I remember the one time my mom called the doctor and was like, she, she has so much energy. I've never seen her have this much energy before. And the doctor was like, yeah, there's a slim chance, but sometimes it's a reverse effect. And that hit me because wow. I was nuts at the radiation that's cool though yeah so this whole time you weren't going to school and you weren't playing sports no yeah i was going to school and i was oh, playing i thought you sports. were saying like just for that first week when you no, were still feeling i good. was like i the whole time i went the only time i didn't go to school is i ended up in the hospital twice the first treatment and the last treatment because my white blood count was really really low and when that happens you can't fight off infection right. so like I couldn't go to malls. I couldn't go to the movies. I couldn't go to church, which... Yeah, when, where there's a lot of or people. Where there's a lot of people. Right. Um, my mom took my temperature like 400 times a day to make sure that I wasn't sick. And even if it was like 98, we would still have to call the doctor and check to see if I had to go in. So right. the only time I missed school is if I had a fever, if I was sick or if I wasn't feeling well, but I really didn't miss that much. Like I, was, I wasn't held back. I was able to move on with the rest of the grade. I played sports as well as I could. Like so I do said, you think that probably helped in your recovery? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, like I, I said before, in my head, like I wasn't, there wasn't anything different. I, I was just sick. Right. That's it. So what was your support system like at home? I know your your parents were probably yeah. concerned about you, and, yeah. but also you were at school too. So did your friends treat you any differently or anything my like that? Or were they more were, helpful than anything? My friends were awesome. Like, I had the biggest support system, and I remember feeling, like, almost embarrassed because I didn't want to feel like, I didn't want people to feel bad for me. I didn't want people to treat me any differently, but they were amazing. Um, My mom and my aunt and my best friend's moms and all the moms in town. Like, when you come from a small town, everyone supports each other. Right. And that's pretty awesome. They started this fund called the Friends of Vanessa. And they raised money. They did fundraisers. They did everything possible to make it easier for my family while going to treatment. They made dinners for my family. Right. Um, And they were just amazing. I mean, my best friends, like, when I lost my hair, like, I would go to my best friend's house and we would, I would let them, like, paint my head with makeup (laughs) and do, like, whatever. And it was just, like, we treated it like a joke. Like, all right, this is happening. This is what we have to do. But they were the absolute best support system. My best friends would come to treatment with me. You know, my my family, my aunts and uncles would come to treatment with me. They did everything to make it as easy as possible on myself and my family as well too, you know, like my mom and my dad was, they were both heartbroken. They were so upset, you know, like you never want to see your child go through anything like that. So the fact that like our family all pulled together, like I come from a big Italian family, so we're close to start with. And then once that happens, like everyone got even closer. So they, I couldn't have had a better support system. It was amazing. I think that's really cool because I know when I got hurt, it sucks because usually you don't know how much people care about you until like you're dead. Totally. That's when people like start saying like, oh, he was a great guy or she was a Uh great, you know, girl and. And you never hear that. You never hear that from someone's mouth. But when you go through something that's, you know, as serious as what you went through or what I went through, people do say that to you. And it's it's upsetting that it it takes, you know, a serious... It makes you feel like you matter. Like, okay, I do matter. It's my mom. (laughs) Sorry, mom. (laughs) I'm going to have to wait on this one. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of caring. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Helicopter mom. <laughs> uh, I have one of those too. 27 mom, I'm years trying old. to change the world right now. So stop. <laughs> uh, 27 and still get those phone calls. Yep. How's your temperature? Are you feeling okay today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ever, it was. I'm an only child, so yeah. oh, before. Oh my god. Yeah. So even before the, my injury, yeah. she was you know a little protective, but then after, oh my god, oh, it's, I can't even imagine. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> I, I understand though. So. Oh, absolutely. You, so you, you'd like it now. Yeah. You, know, you understand it now that you're older. <laughs> so you you had you lost your hair. What was mm-hmm. what was that like when you were a kid? And were you upset about it or were you nervous? Yeah, or that that was sad. That was sad. I mean, my hair was my thing. I I now have like huge, crazy, curly hair. And if you believe it or not, like before I got sick, it was even crazier. Like it was wild. Oh. And it's just ironic because I always wanted straight hair. You always want what you don't have. Right. Um. And when I lost it, it was another like, oh, shit moment. Um, So it started to fall out. I was in the hospital and I think it was after the first treatment. It started to come out like I would see it on my pillow. Like I would see it left when I get up. And, you know, I I didn't of course, I didn't say anything because I didn't want to upset anyone. I just kind of let it happen. And then the next time I washed my hair, it was just like clumps falling out and I kept it for a little bit. I would wear, like, hats and, like, handkerchiefs and stuff. And then um, my dad shaved it for me. And my dad is a baldy, too. And it's so funny because my dad has a completely bald head and, like, this huge mustache. So, like, he was my shoulder with that. We did it together. Like, he literally shaved my head. Then he, like, bicked his head, too. So we were both baldies. And that, that was really sad for me. And... Of course, I got a straight wig, which was hilarious because now that I look back at pictures, I'm like, what the fuck was I thinking? <laughs> like, <laughs> you want to make it a little more obvious? But um, right. I'll never forget going into school that first day. Like, at my middle school, when you walk in, you have to walk down, like, this huge sidewalk into the side door. And I remember getting out of the car and just being so nervous and so scared that people were going to say, like like oh my god you look so different or what happened and I walked in and no one said anything and it was awesome because no one made a big deal out of it it was just like another day you know and um I gave you mad props for like going to school every day thank you I yeah I mean I look back now and it's like shit I should have used that as as an excuse to not go to school but I just wanted to be normal I I just wanted to be normal yeah Yeah, (laughs) pretty much (laughs) but um my wig, I wore it a lot out, but then my hair, it was it was crazy how like quickly it started to grow back. Like I started to get fuzzies maybe after like the second or third treatment. So after by the time my hair was maybe like an inch long, I stopped wearing the wig and I just had short just hair. I it, pulled yeah. it off and it was awesome because at the time that's when Pink, remember the artist Pink? Yeah, that she, she came out and she had short yeah. hair and she was so badass. Right. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be Pink. And all my friends would tell me, like, you look so much like her. You're yeah. just like her. So like, yeah, that's what I'm going I was for. Like, yeah, I know. She's really cool. So am I. Um, so I embraced like that short hair look and, you know, I'll look, <laughs> I'll look back at pictures. And that's what, like, remember like the, the twist cornrows and like butterfly clips you remember when girls uh, used to wear that shit I, yeah, you yeah, probably don't because so you're a dude really like you don't remember that, but, I guess but so. at, the, 
at the time there were these things like these butterfly clips and they're so just ugly but they were the thing yeah. so i would pull that off i would like quarter my hair back and just let it be big and curly so cool i always embraced it i embraced the baldness i embraced the short hair i embraced the wig i tried so, to do it all that's a good you know piece of information for people going through any kind of obstacle like don't try to you know, avoid just embrace it. it. Yeah, you have embrace to. It. Yeah. That's what it comes down you can't to. Yeah, you can't do anything about it, so you might yeah. as well. Yeah. Cool. Um, can we just get back to some of your biggest setbacks, like during your treatment and in the in the whole process, and just talk about how you kind of got through that. Um, the biggest setbacks would probably like the first time I got sick and I just felt sick, and I realized like this is a bigger deal than what I think it is. But I just remember keep like. Keeping on telling myself, I have to get through this. Like, I'm going to get through this. And it was really like, I have to do this for my family. You know, not even for me. It's like, I have to do this. I have to survive for my family because it would crush them if I didn't. And honestly, like I said before, too, dying was never in my head. Like, right. I never thought that would Same happen. Same with me. Like, ever. I was not supposed to make it through the night. And not once did I think, like, I was going to die. Right, yeah. right. It just doesn't cross your mind. Yeah. So, um just getting to the end, it was always like, you know, there's there's an end point. So it's keeping like, your eye on the prize kind of thing. Exactly. It's temporary. And, uh-huh. It's temporary. You'll get through this. Once you get through this, it's all going to go back to normal. And right. that was just always on my mind. So cool. that's really what pushed me through. My family and my friends are the reason why I pushed through. Awesome. With it. Yeah. Yeah. So what were some of the good things that came out of that experience? I know you got to meet NSYNC. So yeah, can you, that was yeah, pretty talk about sweet. That? That's okay, pretty cool. this was like the height of NSYNC. I was obsessed with Lance Bass. Go figure. Um, <laughs> and meeting NSYNC was everyone wanted to do it. Right. So it was really, really tough. And it actually, um, it was the Marty Lyons Foundation that helped me. And Marty Lyons, he was a football player, actually. Um, and they started this foundation. And I remember my wish was I wanted to meet NSYNC and the social worker actually told me like you're gonna have to make another wish because we don't think we're gonna be able to do that because that's like how big NSYNC was at the time and it was last minute they were like you know you're gonna be NSYNC tomorrow Madison Square Garden you're going to this biggest show of the year and it was like oh my god I have to get an outfit (laughs) what am I gonna wear (laughs) the first thing so that was unbelievable i mean i went backstage with another group of um girls that were terminally ill as well and it was their wish and i got to meet and think it it was crazy because it was a meet and greet so when you go to a meet and greet you literally just like they're sitting behind a table you walk past you get their signature they say hi that's it there's nothing but then it just so happens and now that i look back this is even cooler joe pesci was backstage okay and he got to talking to the social worker as to why we were there and he found out and he was like these kids are getting back here again so he got us back in to actually like meet and sing and it was supposed to be yeah oh my god like take pictures with them and like actually talk to them and say like hi and they were all super super nice except for justin justin was a little standoffish but i mean he was also an 18 year old kid like at the top of the world so so he he was probably high on himself a little bit yeah it was either that or he was nervous as shit because he was about to perform in front of madison square garden a sold out show that could be it too but it was so give him the benefit of the doubt yeah we'll give him the benefit because i love justin now um 
so yeah, I got to meet Joe Pesci as well. And then we're back there. Pink opened up for them, and I got to meet her too. And you're like, and oh, like, my hair. Look, I was like, you see that? Look, look. <laughs> and I think that was the reason why I I kind of really liked her too, is because she was so sweet. She was literally like running to go perform, and I was like oh my god, Pink, can you take a picture? And she like ran back real quick, like awesome, said hi, yeah. took a picture, and then ran away. Like she was so cool. Um, so that, I mean, that was an amazing experience. It showed me how resilient I am to things. And it really like, it made me realize I can I can get through anything. anything yeah. You know, it's there's, there's always a bigger picture out there. When you're having a bad day, you're like, oh, my life sucks, blah, blah, blah. But right. there's a bigger picture. Yeah, and when you look back and it's like, yeah. It's really not that bad. Absolutely, absolutely. And you don't really take things for granted when you've been through something like that. It right. sounds so cliche, but no, it's, it's true. true. Yeah. What like, doesn't kill you definitely makes you stronger, no totally. doubt. Totally, and yep. it makes you the person you are. Like, I would not be the person I am today if I didn't go through all of that. Right. And I, I always say I now, like, I don't know if you feel this way. Um, I always say now, like, if I was to get sick at this age, it would probably be totally different just because my eyes are open to you know, what could happen. Like, right. being sick could end up really bad. But as a kid, you have that blinder over your eye. and. Do you ever get nervous that oh, it would come yeah. back? Absolutely. Yeah. I think is everyone that, is does. Is that, like, a, a thing that commonly happens? or uh, what when With Hodgkin's disease? No, actually, Hodgkin's disease, knock on wood. Yeah. Um, it I'll doesn't. It, thank you. <laughs> Usually they say, oh, no. oh that was a bad idea. <laughs> She's adding some All flavor. Right. It's fine. Um, <laughs> okay. Once okay. you're like five years clear, they say you're pretty good, and it's been 15. All so right. fingers Times crossed. Three. Yeah, we're, we're, we're good. All right, nice. <laughs> okay. Did you uh, – one other question I wanted to ask you was, did you talk to the other uh, kids that were meeting Instinct too, like about your experience or anything like that, or did you kind of just I think like, it was oh, one of those Instinct, like, let's not talk about cancer? I think it was one of those, like, oh, what's wrong with you? Like, oh, how are you dying? Like, what's your disease? And that was it. And then it was like, oh, my God, we're meeting Instinct. This is so cool. I'm so excited, you know? <laughs> All right, so it was kind of an afterthought. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, how long did it take you to kind of get back to normal? So the treatments were all done. Did you start, did you get back to playing sports and that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, I I didn't stop doing what I normally did when I was sick. So I feel like there was never that point like, all right, it's time to get back on track. It just kept going and it just got a little easier. Like I didn't feel sick anymore. My hair started to grow back. I was right. stronger than I was. So I can't really pinpoint a time where it was like, let's like, get back to normal. Right. It was kind of like, all right, now. <laughs> It's like, all right, now my dad can get pissed off at me oh, yeah. <laughs> if I don't you can't get away do with my laundry. Anymore. Like, I can't get away with things anymore. <laughs> that was something that I remember. Like, I wanted when I first got sick, I wanted so bad to feel normal and for my parents to just like yell at me because that's a, a point when I realized I was sick. When like they they wouldn't get mad at me. Like, they would feel bad for like, right. yelling at me if I did something wrong. Like, I remember this is so. I got home and there was prosciutto in the kitchen and prosciutto is like this really fine Italian meat that mm-hmm. it's expensive and you usually don't get it unless, you know, it's a special occasion, ho- a, special occasion a holiday and there was prosciutto in the fridge and I was like, wow, my dad must really feel bad for me. Right. <laughs> He's buying That's me you know. this salted meat <laughs> it's just chilling in the fridge right yeah. now. <laughs> Well, he loved you. So. He did. He did. He still does. <laughs> 
Um, do you feel like that you were, you're, you already kind of mentioned this, that you feel like you're a different person after this experience? Like I know for myself, like my mom would always ask me if, like how I felt. Yeah. I'm like, I don't, I'm not in pain, but like, I don't feel the same. Like yeah. I just don't, I don't feel like the same person. Do you have the same feeling? Yeah. Um, I think it definitely made me stronger than I would have been without it. But at that point, like when I got sick, that was the time when your life is changing no matter what. You know, you're 13 years old. You're going through stuff. 13 years old. You're going through puberty. Like your hormones are out of control. Um, So I feel like I would have changed no matter what at that time if I got sick. Um, But I can definitely say I think I've come out a stronger person than I would have. Like I was always kind of nervous when uh when I was younger I, I was kind of a nervous kid and it's ironic because I never did want to get sick like I was I was always nervous that I was going to get a disease like a really? disease was like a, a the scariest word ever right I don't even know why maybe it's because my mom was a little neurotic growing oh, okay. up. <laughs> but and then I I did get sick and it was like oh well I guess I got that disease and then after I was just like oh nothing nothing can scare me now yeah like where yeah like I had that disease I got through it yeah I can only go up from here that's awesome (laughs) yeah so you you continued to play sports in high school you said you were a cheerleader Mm-hmm. I was a cheerleader. And what else? Um, lacrosse. I played lacrosse. Well, when actually, that playing? was high school. And when I was sick, I played. I was playing basketball. Right. And then that. it like transitioned into softball season. And actually, I played catcher when I was in softball. Like, go figure, the smallest one on the team. Yeah. I'm behind the mat. Or Honestly, the mat. I could have. That makes sense. Yeah. I've been talking to you. Um, and what I used to do was I had a port. So a port is something that is placed inside of your body. So whenever I got treatment, they wouldn't have to like stick me in my arm right, every day. I right, had a right. port in there that was in there the whole time I was treated. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually still have some scars. And when I played softball, like if you hit it, you could feel the pressure, you know? Yeah. So I used to have like this my dad cut out like this styrofoam like hard mm-hmm. mat type thing and i would put it on my chest where the port was so i would have like this huge like lump on my chest but i still wanted to catch and of course that like my mom was like if you could pick any other position but yeah, you have right. to pick catcher yeah. to give me a heart attack every time you play um but i still played that position and then i still was a cheerleader too and that year i don't know what the hell it was about that year that year we did awesome we won like our first competition ever we were always the underdog and that year we won won, and i actually was wearing a wig um and what i would do i would wear my wig and i would wear a hat over it and we played it was washington rock that was the township um and it was cool because I cheered with a bunch of my best friends, all like my best guy friends played football, so we were cheering for them. Right. And when I was at the games and at the competitions, I would wear my wig with a hat over it, really, really tight. But like, I was still a flyer. Like what? I was going up in pyramids <laughs> and like being tossed around with a wig on. Like I look at it now. That is crazy to me. I give you so much credit. Yeah, it's it's kind of wild, but I wasn't stopping. I wasn't right. not gonna. You be You think normal. that's what helped you get through it, though? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If I sat there, so don't, yeah, don't and just sit around and sulk and feel exactly. bad for yourself. Exactly. Yeah. That's not going to do anything right. if you do that. It's just going to make it's literally physically, mentally, and emotionally going to make you worse. Did so. the doctors like recommend that you stay active or yeah, was that definitely? Kind of, they okay. were always like, do what you can do. Like, right. there's nothing you can't do, which was awesome too. They never discouraged me to yeah. stop. They that's, always that's encouraged cool. me to keep going and keep 
playing sports and being as active, being an, an active 13-year-old kid. Right. So what made you transition to lacrosse? Um, to be honest with you, the, I went to Watchung Hills High School. Okay. And the politics up there were crazy. And softball, I knew if I wanted to play, like, I probably – I wasn't I wasn't the best athlete. Like, I was good, but I wasn't anything phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew I probably wouldn't play the position I wanted to play or even um, get off the bench at that. So lacrosse was a new program in Watchung Hills when I, I think it was like three years old. And so everyone kind of started on the same level. Right. And I loved it. I started playing. I loved it. And I actually turned out to be pretty decent at it too. So it was kind of, it, that was another like blessing in disguise. And I played with all my friends. Um, and it was just a really fun sport. It was a really active sport. And yeah, I loved it all throughout, played all throughout high school. I think I was captain my senior year. Um, I played midfield, so I was like running, running around, all over the place. Even yeah. though I was slow as shit, and half the times <laughs> I got kicked out of games because, like, in girls across, you're not supposed to hit. Yeah, hit it all, right? I didn't really follow that rule. And I would end up like hitting people and get thrown out. My dad used to make a joke that I was just so slow that I would just throw my stick <laughs> out there to, to try to stop people. <laughs> I played lacrosse growing up too. Oh, I was did you really? Uh-huh. I ended up playing picking baseball because I was like, oh yeah, I'll probably be a, you know, in the major league soon. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Reality sets in pretty quick. But anyway, I played midfield too. But uh-huh. anyone who knows me, I'm not like... I don't have the the body of a runner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I would be freaking dragging ass down the field. Yeah. My stick would just be dragging behind me. <laughs> and you're just running <laughs> back and forth. It was a struggle. Like, but I could hit people, so that was this? my only redeeming quality. Yeah, that's quality. pretty awesome. I always wish we could have hit people, and yeah. I did, but it wasn't supposed to. <laughs> so what was your transition like to college? I know for me, it was probably my lowest point ever. Because yeah. at least for me, I didn't have sports anymore. And that's right. like who I was right. for so long. That must have been so hard for you to do, so, dude. I was having pity parties every yeah. day. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, I would like call my mom crying. And <laughs> it was, yeah, not my proudest moment. Yeah. yeah. But so what was your experience like? And kind of how did you get into the, the fitness world? Um. Well, actually, I... I thought about playing lacrosse for like a hot second and then I was like, nah, I want my college experience. I don't want right. to be a college athlete. The old college experience. Yeah, the college yeah. experience, which I definitely had. Do you regret um, that? No, not at all. You don't regret not not playing all. lacrosse? Okay. Not at all. Because if I played lacrosse, I probably wouldn't have ended up where I am today. All right. Um, my choices were between East Stroudsburg and Kutztown, and this is going to sound like such a tool bag thing, but I chose East Stroudsburg because I liked the gym. The gym was awesome. It was brand new. It was huge. Hey, but- it was It was dope um and then when i got to college like i knew i wanted to get an on-campus job my football coach went to east Stroudsburg and he really called the princeton of the poconos that, yeah. yes that's that's the um and it's a very east Stroudsburg is a very sports-minded college like we have a great athletic training um my athletic training saved my life went there really yep. that's awesome what was their name suzanne barba Episode one of the Heads and Tails podcast. Oh my god! Oh my god! That's so cool. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Um, yeah. So we, I went there. I saw the gym. Fell in love. And then I got a job at the gym there. But I was just like working the desk. So I would just okay. work, work. And the job, uh, to get a job at the gym was like the thing. They chose like three people out of the whole campus. So many people applied. So I didn't really think I would get it. I applied. I interviewed with. Um, the boss who was so awesome like I could still say I learned things from him that I use today like what? and 
Um, he, it was all about, he was very much on like professionalism and I like to pride myself a little bit on always being professional, right. like, especially because in this world, like in the fitness industry, you don't have to be super professional. Like yeah, you wear gym shorts exactly. to work. And yeah. not like opposed to the corporate world where you're always dressed up. You're always like on point. Part of the appeal of being in the fitness industry is it's not like that. It's more laid back, but you still have to be professional doing it. Right. Like you have to take yourself sure. seriously no if you want to be serious. successful. Yeah. Exactly. So um, I took that a lot of, away from him, and he was just always about like team building, and everyone's on the same team, and we were like everyone at that worked at that gym. We would have date parties, we would have beer Olympics together. Like we were friends outside of the gym too, and it wasn't because we were forced to. It was because everyone that worked there was legitimately awesome. Mm-hmm. So I got my job working the desk there, and then I started to get really involved in taking the classes and going to the gym because I didn't have a sports team anymore. So, of course, you know, freshman year, I start drinking and eat ramen, and I gain weight, and I'm like, shit, I'm getting a little fat here. I got to do something. So I started working out um, and taking the classes. And growing up, my, my dad always worked out like he still does he's the strongest man i i know and have ever seen in my life like he has in our basement i call it the the prison set weight (laughs) set because none of the weights match like they're all thrown together but he's down there grunge exactly like five nights a week doing his workout hasn't changed since he was 14 and he's a friggin' ox dude um, so growing up, like I always saw that, like, oh, where's daddy? How come he's not eating, din- and eating dinner with us? He's finishing his sit-ups or like he's right. finishing working out. Then he'll be upstairs. So that was always in my mind. And then when I didn't have the sports team to play with, I wanted to do something. And I started taking the classes. And then I was like, this is so awesome. So then I transitioned to teaching the classes and it was even better. Um, and that's when I started to get into like weight training and all that good stuff and my eyes just opened to this whole new world right. of fitness and that's how I fell in love with it and then you know I got my personal training certification right after I graduated um, what did you study while you were at school I studied English okay so I had nothing to do with um, exercise science or anything like that and it was my senior year I realized I wanted to do that but I was at the point where I was like I don't want to be in school for the rest of my life so I'm going to finish out my English degree and then after I graduate I'll just get into that right and spend um, thousands and thousands of dollars exactly to, yeah. exactly so I did that and now I'm I'm still glad that I got my English degree because I still love to write you know that's, that's part of what I do too with yeah, your my blog, blog and awesome, my marketing yeah. and all that stuff thank you um so yeah, that's how like I could honestly thank E. Strasberg for my huge fitness eye opening that I got there. All right. yeah. So after school, you, you graduated, uh-huh. then you went into what job in, in the corporate world? I didn't immediately jump into the corporate world because I first started to try to get a job in the writing industry as a journalist. Okay. And that was tough as shit because that was also when the internet started to like boom and Mm -hmm. actual newspapers and everything like that started to go away so I tried that for a few years but at that time I also had my um, personal training certification so I did that I was teaching classes I was teaching Zumba on the side while I was you know I would work little jobs I was a lifeguard for the summers Um, I worked at the gym and then I actually got a job at planet fitness as like their quote-unquote personal trainer okay and i went full-time with that and 
you know, people always joke about Planet Fitness. But the lunk alarm. The lunk alarm. You know, now I look back, I would be the biggest lunk. But yeah. <laughs> that, like, started my career as yeah. a full-time fitness person. So I will always have a special place in, in my heart, heart for, for Planet Fitness. I don't care about all you haters all right, out yeah. there. I hate them all the time. So <laughs> now that I know this, I'll, I'll be a little Hope easier. Hope you like them a little bit. But And then after that, I just got another personal training job. And it was, like, full-time, boom, right into it. Um, and then... I was doing it, and I was like, you know what? I want to try to do the corporate world thing. What a made you bit. say that though? Was it like because that's what everyone in the world does, or because honestly, I kind of felt like that was the track everyone takes, and I started to see my friends get, you know, the jobs that they went to school for and all that stuff, and. I guess I was like 23 or 24 and I was like, oh, I guess I got to get a quote unquote real, real job, job yeah. now. So my mom has been in the health industry for a very long time. So she hooked me up with Atlantic Health and which is a good place to work for. I actually work there now. Yeah. It, you know, it's an amazing healthcare system. They saved my life when I look back on it. Right. It's me too. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> both of us, yeah. two Atlantic Health survivors here. Yep. Um, but after the first week, I knew it wasn't for me at all. What was it? Just all. like just sitting, the, sitting there. Yeah. First of all, sitting there, I just didn't like the way things were done. I saw um, a lot of really bad qualities in people, negative qualities in people, and it was the whole just office thing. So I stuck it out for two years, and then it Why was. Why two years if you didn't like it for so long? Because honestly. I want. I was still living home. I wanted to get out. Right. You know, it was a good paying job. I was yeah. making. It was the first time I was ever making like real money in my yeah. life, and I was like, "All right, this is cool. I could stick this out." And then I got. Um, I guess it was like a year and a half in. I got this new position, and it all went to shit. I've never been more anxious or nervous or miserable in my life. Like I would have like anxiety attacks about more because it was just so much work to do and. It was a clusterfuck and a half over there. Like, I, I will completely say, like, it just, it was a mess. Everything, it, it just wasn't run correctly. It, yeah. it wasn't run well. And, you know, I met some really great people there. I met some really not great people there. Um, like with anything, I guess. Yeah, with yeah. anything. And it was the summer. I was on vacation and I got a call from work and at that point I was like fuck this I'm on my vacation like yeah. you should not be calling me you know other countries vacation they get a month off and that's it they leave and they have yeah. their vacation here it's you're on vacation you're getting calls on the beach from work like yeah. no it doesn't work that way in my mind and I got home and I actually um I was working with my cousin at the time and she still works for Atlantic Health and she was like my rock throughout the whole thing and I remember being in I had mentioned to her like I really want to quit and she had talked to me through everything like we would take lunch hours and I would just be talking to her we literally like sat down she helped me like budget stuff out we talked about it and we were in I actually just talked to her the other day right before I quit we both went <laughs> in the bathroom we were in like the big stall and I was like freaking out she's like dude you got to do this she's right. like it's gonna be fine it's gonna work right. out and like pumping ourselves up so I went back to my desk and I had a meeting scheduled with my manager. We went into the conference room and I just started crying. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I'm done. And she looked at me and like we were, I thought we were close at the time. Um, and she was like, you know what? 
I'm proud of you. She's like, I can tell that this is not for you. She's right. like, when you talk about fitness and you talk about the stuff you do on the side, she's like, your eyes light up. Yeah. She's like, I'm so proud of you for making this decision to walk away. And it was like the biggest weight off my shoulders, off my chest that right, I have you... ever felt in my life, dude. So that's that's interesting. I kind of want to like dive into that a little bit about making the decision to like, when you have to tell someone yeah. that news that you don't want to... Oh my like, God, I was so nervous. So I was what did so you like nervous. construe in your head? Like what she was going to react? Like well, what was going to be her reaction? I figured that she would try to talk me out of it a little bit. Like, right. you know, try this, try that, blah, blah, blah. And I also felt bad because like I said, I thought I like, I respected these people and I thought that they respected me. I later found out that it wasn't exactly like that, but that's corporate world. You yeah. know what I mean? You're a dime a dozen in that corporate world. It's a, rot- a rotating door. Yeah, people talk um, behind everyone's back. Yeah. So I was nervous about that. I was nervous about letting people down. And I remember... At work or like... At work. Yeah. At work, okay. yeah. Because um, I liked these people and they were always really good to me for the most part and um i remember it was like a few nights before talking to my boyfriend and talking to alex and being like i'm just afraid i'm gonna let these people down and he's like after this you never have to see these people again like do this for you like worry about you like you're having freaking anxiety attacks in the middle of the night about going to work you know your everything is i wasn't me it was to the point where i was starting to um not enjoy fitness and my part-time personal training as much because I was so miserable with my daytime job and that's when I was like I cannot do this anymore um so yeah once I quit it was just like whoosh like all this negative energy just out of my life and it felt great so great did you go right into bachata and barbells yeah what I did was I kind of um I quit I kind of gave myself a month to figure out what I was doing. But at that time, I was still teaching 10 classes a week. I still had like three or four personal training clients. So like I transitioned while I was working. So I was working like 14 hour days. Like I would be in the office at seven. I would leave right at four. I would drive right to teach a class, take a class, go teach a client like back and forth all the time. I would get home at 10 o'clock and be like, I'm fucking exhausted. I gotta do do this again. Yeah. Yeah. Can't wait. so at the time of transition, like I gave myself a month off to kind of just chill out and decompress because after you leave a job like that, you still, as much as I say the negative energy like went away, like I just needed to chill out. Like I think I took a few yoga classes yeah. and worked out a lot in that month and just kind of tried to figure out what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. And after um i think it was almost exactly a month after i quit i decided to start chatting and barbells and um it was a little confusing at first i was like i don't know what i'm gonna do with this like people would ask me like what is bachata and barbells and i would be like uh i don't know it's me it's like my personal training like i didn't really have an exact answer for them so Um, what's your answer now bachata and barbells is a a lifestyle that you want to embrace you know I like to talk about it like, so bachata is a Dominican rhythm um, that I used to do in Zumba when I used to teach Zumba and barbells, everyone everyone knows what a barbell is. You walk into a gym, like my gym that I teach at Intrepid, or you walk into a CrossFit gym and you right. see a barbell. So the name kind of combines of my love of both things that I do and what I want. Right, two very different things. Two totally different things. And I want it to just... It's like, a, like I said, like a lifestyle embracement of anyone can do it. Anyone can do whatever they want to do when it comes right. to fitness, whether you're going to be 
walking into a Zumba class and killing it in that Zumba class or you're going to be walking into a CrossFit gym and you're going to be like maxing out your friend time, whatever it is. Right. It's both. It doesn't have to be that one thing. Right, Anyone one or the other. I think yeah. that's kind of how people view fitness though. It's like either you're this or you're that. Exactly. Or you're, exactly. Yeah, you're a yogi. You don't lift anything or yeah. That's right. Cool. And I would tell people like people would be amazed. They're like, holy shit, you teach Zumba and you do like CrossFit? Like how does that work? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. I just do it. Like I love both of them. That's cool. Yeah. Why not do it? So that was kind of, I wanted to open people's eyes to show them you can do it. Right. You know, you, you can do both and you can be good at both or you don't have to be the best at both. And I you think it's kind of do a, both. I think yeah. the bachata and barbells now that we're talking, it has like a personality of its own. Like I've been reading your blog posts and I, I know a little bit about it. Yeah. But I feel like it's almost your personality. How yeah. It's that like not giving a shit what people think and just doing what you love doing. I think yeah. that's pretty, it's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and speaking of the personality of Bachata and Barbells, is there like one per- person or like a superhero that like exudes exactly what Bachata and Barbells is? Now that it's you, but what I, um, like a, I wouldn't exactly say there's like a superhero. I think, and even as a person, if it was a person, it would be someone with a, a, a strong mindset, a resilient mindset, and someone that's just like, I'm going to do what I want to do, and I don't care if you hate it, and I don't care if you love it. Like, I may not be the best at it, but I'm going to do it, and I'm right. going to do it for me, and it's going to make me feel really good, and it's going to exactly make me like feel badass. It's exactly like your process of going through your treatment and everything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Thing. Now that I look back at it, it is yeah. like that, which is kind of crazy. Really you know? cool. Yeah. Yeah, it led to, to great things. Um, so what services do you offer? I am. I do personal training and fitness classes full time. Um, I do online training. I do nutritional guidance. But I also like to be. I also think of myself as like an, an outlet for people. You know, like I often joke around that I'm like, a, like a therapist too. But right. all of my clients have become like my friends. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, I have relationships with them, and I think there's a lot of personal trainers out there, and there's a lot of coaches and people out there that are just like uh, an identity like there's nothing behind them there's nothing to them and I hope that all my clients can look at me as someone that like if I need advice or I I need a boost like I can go to Vanessa for that I know she'll help me out with that um and also like if they're having a really good day like there's nothing that makes my day more than getting a text from a client be like I just ran away skinny jeans or like my husband said I look so good like I lost 10 pounds you know that that is awesome that's what I live for um yeah, and then I also have my blog. I hope people can read my blog and enjoy it and laugh at it and cry to it and, you know, even look at it sometimes and be like, that's stupid. I don't agree with that because that means that they're strong enough to have their own opinion about right. things. So where can people find you at? So where's your blog? What's your website? So my website is bachataandbarbells.com. Um, and I'll link all this up in the show notes too. Awesome, awesome. My Facebook page, if you just go to Bachata and Barbells, you could check out everything there. You could like it. My Instagram handle is Bachata and Barbells. Um, and my WordPress, which is my blog, it's vanessachecchio.wordpress.com. Right. Um, and that'll pull you right up to the Bachata and Barbells page. And then you could find me teaching classes at Intrepid Gym and at Work It Out in Hoboken. Awesome. Yeah. So if you're in the Hoboken area, definitely hit up Vanessa. Yeah, come see me. I've got two more questions to, to close this out. So my girlfriend and I, we were mutual friends with this 
Hoboken fitness crew, basically. Uh-huh. And we went on <laughs> the a... The crew. Yeah, we went on a, a Vermont skiing trip, even though I couldn't ski. So I sat... And I couldn't snowboard, so... Yeah, so it actually worked out. But we sat down together, Vanessa and I, and I was telling her, like, my whole freaking life story about my head and what I'm trying to do with the podcast. And not once did she mention that she had cancer when she was uh, a kid. So... Why Why did you not say something? Because, honestly, it's, bringing it up is such an awkward thing. Like, I couldn't be like, oh, you almost died, so did I. You know, like, oh, that's how we could bond. But so it's, it's something that's very sensitive. Sometimes you bring it up to people, and right. they're like, oh, cool. So yesterday, I went and got coffee here. Like, they don't ignore it. Some people, like one of, my, one of my best friends from college, I told her that I had cancer, and she looked at me and started sobbing, like, uncontrollably. And I was right. like, dude. That was 10 years ago. Like, I'm okay. (laughs) So it's an awkward situation. And also, you are telling your story. So it's like, I don't want to interrupt that type of thing. Well, I'm really glad I was able to get you on the podcast. Yeah, I'm glad too. I'm glad too. Awesome. Yeah. All right. This is what I've been asking all the people that come on my podcast. Uh I want their own personal definition of what perseverance is. Perseverance. Perseverance is pushing through. That's what I think it is. It's pushing through and not giving up until you get to that end point end goal yeah until you get to that end goal no matter what it takes even if you have setbacks you still keep on doing it right because like you said before what doesn't kill you only makes you stronger and that is the truth right there keep your eye on that like knowing that you're gonna get through it and you're gonna come out a better person on on the other side totally all right vanessa it was awesome sitting down with you i feel like we could probably have another episode we probably could (laughs) maybe in vermont yeah with bacon cooking and everyone skiing and we'll be chilling (laughs) all right thanks kev Before you even take those little itty bitty five pound, eight ounce baby earbuds out your ears, make sure you give us a follow on Instagram at heads and tails. That's head, like your head, the letter N, and then tail spelled T A L E S. Also, make sure to share this with all your friends and subscribe on iTunes. See you next week.